This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Once you get a Bible, go with me to 1 Timothy 6. Actually, I'm going to receive our tithes and offerings tonight. And again, what better night to do this than the night the Gideons are with us. So keep your hand up or ushers will get you one. I'm in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. Very familiar. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, if you catch what it said there, it doesn't say money. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And so what you see here is the misguided love of money, what he's talking about. And this is being deceived by the love of it. So when you say the love of money, sometimes I have the thought, what would the love of money look like to us? And I believe sometimes we could think, well, the love of money would be in a certain type of car. A Maserati, maybe a Rolls Royce. The love of money would be a a big house, whether that's 10 bedrooms to use, six bedrooms, three bedrooms. Maybe the love of money would be in the type of clothes you wear But what I just said there, whether it's a a vehicle, whether it's a home, whether it's clothing, none of that prove anything, okay? God's not against us having those things. What he is against is when we start being controlled by the love of money. And when you see what the love of money is, it's an attitude or a condition of the heart. Do you know you may only have a bicycle You may live in a tent, but you could still be dominated by a love for money. And so this is what the Bible's teaching. I can't be distracted by that. I must come to a place in my life where I allow God to be my contentment. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. We thank you again for the opportunity to give. And Father God, if there's any trace within any of our hearts... With the love, of God, the love of money, Lord, we ask you to help us. Lord, we pray blessings on the Gideons again tonight. Bless the work they're doing globally, globally, but especially right here in Lubbock County in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you got your Bible, go with me to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And before I get going, and I probably should have said this before we prayed there, but one of my favorite passages of scriptures is, is uh, Psalm 122 verse 6. It literally says, pray the peace of Jerusalem. And if you watch the news right now, it's, it's getting to a very critical state there, okay? And so I, I encourage you just that simple prayer. Father God, we pray the peace of Jerusalem tonight. You know, globally, the, the, the city of Jerusalem, it's the vocal point of the world. You really need to pay attention what's going on there. And so two years ago when I was there, it, it was shocking to me the proximity that many times when you look on a map, you think these cities are a long way apart. They're not. They're not at all. So begin to pray for that. All right. We're going to jump into the word again. I said to go to James chapter 1. And so as you're turning to James chapter 1, let me make a couple statements here to start tonight. I believe faith is very similar to our muscles that we have physically. And what I mean by that is every one of us in here, we're born with muscles. You're you're born with a tricep. You're born with a a, a bicep. You're born with a a, a big muscle right here called a hamstring. But they do you no good until they're developed. How do I develop them? 
I, I, I do stuff day by day by day. And so it's the same thing with the word of God. You're born again, you have faith. Where is that? That's Romans 12, 3. He said that every one of us has been given a measure of faith. And so what happens with that area of faith for it to grow? I got to stay in the word. Remember, I got to keep hearing the word. I got to keep speaking it. I got to keep meditating on it. And ultimately, I do the word. Now, as I thought about this here, that, that my faith and my muscles are very similar, can you lose muscle tone? Absolutely. You know why? You quit maintaining what you were supposed to be doing. And you know, you start getting a little older and you get a little flabby and you realize real quick, you can lose muscle tone real quick. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Get rid of everything that's morally impure and wicked conduct. And receive. Now, I'll pay attention there. He said, and receive. You, you can't earn the things of God. You just got to receive them. And you may hear me say this several times tonight. Don't let your trying get in the way of your trusting. I find myself doing that. Sometimes I think I got to help God. God doesn't need my help. He just needs to be receive and believe. And so he said that we are to receive. What are we to receive? We are to receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted word of God, which is able to save your soul. So he's telling us to humbly accept, to absorb the word of God, because within the word of God, when it takes root, the implanted word of God in my heart, man, it begins to change me. It will change you literally from the inside out. And again, I don't care who you are. You get in the word, God will get into you. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't just listen to the word, but to actually put into action. Because if I hear the word, but I don't do the word, he ends verse 22 and says, you are deceiving yourselves. So when I just hear the word but I never do with it, it's the essence of deception. I'm extremely deceived. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. So what he's telling us again, when you just hear the word but you don't live it out. Verse 24. For he observes himself goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You know what he's telling me? I can hear the word over and over and over, but if I never do anything with it, nothing ever changes. And I think many times we have the thought, well, I've gone to church all my life. Well, you can wear a Tom Brady jersey all your life, and you're not going to be Tom Brady. And so again, this is what happens as a believer. And I can hear the word, but I've got to get to a place in my life where I actually obey what the word of God says. He goes on to say here, verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, which is the word of God. I love that statement there, the perfect. And continues in the word of God. And is not a forgetful hearer of the word of God. And is a doer of the word of God. 
this one will be blessed in what he does. So what he tells us right here, that if I continue with the word, I stay with it day by day by day, the end result is I'm going to be blessed and you're going to be a blessed when I stay with it. And I highlight there that he says, you're going to have to continue with the word of God. Now, I'm going to give you a little, little illustration here that I believe will help you. I can't view my faith like I would my spare tire. Now, I want you to think about something about our spare tire that's hopefully somewhere in our car. Many times, I never think about it. I ignore it. I never inspect it. And some of you are thinking right now, I I hope I even have a spare tire. And so what happens is that spare tire means absolutely nothing to you until you have a blowout. And I think many times this is what we do with our faith. We ignore it. We don't pay attention to it. We don't even know it exists until we have a blowout in life. And so think about this when I have a blowout in life. If I don't have a spare tire, I'm in trouble. That's the same way in the area of faith. So a couple years ago, we had been down in the orphanage down in Mexico. And we had such a big group, we had two vans. And so one of the vans was a little older, and that was the one I was driving. And if you've ever come from El Paso to Carlsbad, it's about 165 miles. But from El Paso to the Guadalupe Mountains is about 130. Now, once you come out of El Paso, you you cross, cross a border checkpoint that's maybe 15, 20 miles out. Once you get past that to the Guadalupe Mountains, there's nothing. Life doesn't exist. Nothing. There's not even grasshoppers out there. There's nothing. And so we're going along in that area where there's absolutely nothing. And I am going the speed limit. I am going 54 miles an hour. Not. And I have a blowout on the front driver's side. And I mean, it it is crazy. How many of you have had a blowout recently in the last few years? I've never forgot it. Because that, that rubber was beating the dog. I mean, it's going everywhere. And I'm speaking in Jesus' name. I'm doing everything I can to keep it between the yellow lines. And so finally I get off the road and I realize I really need to get to a place where it's very flat. Because I'm getting ready to change a tire. So we get out and I have this brilliant thought. I hope there's a jack in here and a lug nut wrench. So we start digging through the van. And sure enough, there it is. There is a jack and there is a lug nut wrench. The problem with the lug nut wrench, it was one of those little little single ones, which I call a knuckle buster. It's going to get you. So I start cranking on those nuts. And I mean, they won't budge because they've used an impact wrench. And I said to Shelly, I said, you guys better start praying. This isn't good. So this... This Samson strength came upon me. <laughs> and I start busting them loose. 
And we, we get it jacked up and we get the tire off and I'm so happy, yes, yes. And then I have this brilliant thought. I sure hope there's a spare tire here. <laughs> now I'm telling you right now, I've learned some lessons from this. So we look under there, there's a spare tire. Praise the Lord, there's a spare tire, but that's not all news. We get the spare tire down. And it's not properly inflated. It's not completely flat, but it's sure far from being full. So we get it on there. Now I can tell you this right now. When I got back, I told our maintenance guy, in every vehicle we have, every van, there needs to be a floor jack. In every vehicle, there needs to be one of those four by four. Every vehicle, we need to check those spares. But I highlight to say this to us. What if we treat our faith like that spare tire? And I believe at times this is what this is talking about. I, I can hear the word of God over and over, but I got to stay with it. I got to continue with it. Now, go with me to the book of Hebrews 11, just right there to your left. You're real close. And if you've ever studied Hebrews 11, it's what we call the Faith Hall of Fame. Every man and woman that's in there did some incredible feat by faith. And so you will see those two words, by faith, by faith. It's interesting, I believe it starts in verse 3 and all the way through like verse 30 or 31, it will use that phrase, by faith, by faith. Every one of them, it'll have that on there. I encourage you, read that whole chapter and you'll realize that all those men and women in there, they didn't get in there just by cause of luck. They begin to understand, I've got to live by faith and trust Father God. So we pick up Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith, there it is. By, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so what did Moses refuse right here? I believe what he's saying here is he refused to be like the world and he said, I, I want to live for God. And at this time in Moses' life, he had everything the world had to offer. He was living in the Pharaoh's, his castle, his palace. So at this time in Moses' life, he had fame, he had wealth, he had prestige, he had everything that you would think you would want. But it's interesting here, he refused to make the world his identity. In other words, you know what he said here? My life will not be defined by the things of this world. Now let me ask you real quick. What's defining your life right now? What, what do you identify your life with? And I believe this is what Moses had to deal with and we have to deal with. He goes on to say in verse 25, choosing a choice. Moses made a choice, and me and you are going to have to make a choice. Choosing rather to suffer affliction. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to suffer affliction. But it's interesting here. This was a guy by faith that said he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. So you know what he says here? I would rather suffer mistreatment with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures or the temporary pleasures of sin. So you know what he's saying? 
I don't want the temporary. I want the ultimate. Even if that means there's going to be some affliction. And we know when we study his life, there was affliction. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ or the reviling because of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, he looked to the reward. So again, he was more concerned about the immediate than the, uh, the, over the immediate, but the ultimate. And so by faith, by, by faith, and I want you to notice something here. It says, he looked to the reward. The word there to look literally means to look away from everything else in order to look intently on one object. And so Moses looked away from the wealth of the world system to a messianic future. Now, when I read this about him, only faith could influence such a great choice, which looked far beyond the present scene. So guess what this is telling us? Moses had to look through things through the eye of faith. Now, I want to highlight just a little bit about Moses for you. Remember, he's on the backside of the wilderness when God calls him and says, Hey, I need you to go tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. And remember in that conversation, Moses says to him, he says, Well, who do I tell the Pharaoh sent me? And God said to him, You tell him. I am that I am sent me. And so he goes, well, what will happen if he doesn't listen to me? And then he gets over onto the people of God. And he says, what if they won't listen to me? And remember in his resume, he begins to tell God, he said, listen, God, my speech isn't eloquent. I I'm not adequate. I'm not good enough to do any of this. But because he learned to get over in faith, things begin to happen. See, oftentimes in our life, we tell God why we can't, we won't, or we shouldn't. So I like to say, couldn't, wouldn't, shouldn't. Those are the wannabe family. I don't have to live by couldn't, wouldn't, and shouldn't. I can live by the word of God. And I get to a place in my life where just like Moses had to trust God, he had to believe God. Now look with me in Psalms, the very first Psalm, Psalm chapter 1. And the reason I go this is because this highlights Moses' life to a T. I mean, this is exactly what it uh, says about him. And it'll speak to me and you tonight when we look at this. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man. Happy, fortunate, and to be envied is the man. How is that man blessed? Now watch what the scriptures tell us. The man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He won't walk in step with the ungodly. Nor stands in the path of the sinners. He doesn't share in the sinner's way. Nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Which literally means the mockers or the arrogant. And so what you begin to see here, the three words that he uses are walks, stands, and sits. This means the ones that allow influence to have, deter, the one that we allow to have influence, it determines largely 
on which course we're going to go in life. You know, people you run with, they have the ability to either build you up or to pull you down. And remember what Moses said, I don't want to walk with them. You walk with the godly, you'll be godly. You walk with the fool, you'll be a fool. That's what the Proverbs say. So we begin to see something here that God is telling us. Sometimes there's people you got to avoid. You got to stay away from them. If you want to progress in this thing. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. His pleasure is in the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. That word meditate there means to reflect. It means to ponder. It means one repeats the words. It is a quality to repeat them. It is a banding outside distraction. The word meditate actually has this meaning. It's a word called mutter. You know what the word mutter is? You talk to yourself. I talk to myself quite a bit. I'm serious. I talk just day by day. I'm, I'm, I, I, I've had people on my staff look in the room and say, who's in there with you? I say, nobody. Nobody. I just begin to mutter those things. And so this is what he says. This is how the word of God comes alive within us. When we begin to ponder it and we meditate on it and we reflect on it. And again, I begin to see this. This was what Moses did in his life. So every time God would tell Moses something, even though it didn't line up with the things in the natural, Moses would reflect on it. He would mutter it. He would ponder it. And guess what else would happen? He would do it. Verse 3, he, the one who delights in the law of the Lord, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. He'll stand firm like a flourishing tree. And when it talks about the rivers of living water, or the water right there, it's literally talking that his roots are going to go down deep. And this is God's, that our roots grow down deep, that, that when the storms of life come, we won't be shaken. He goes on to say here, that brings forth fruit in its season. It's going to bear fruit in every season, whose leaf all shall also shall not wither or fade. Now watch the last part here. And whatever he does shall prosper. And whatever he does will prosper. You will have a successful conclusion. Whatever I do, I will prosper. I didn't say it, guys. That's the word of God. God's word says that. So when I look at verses 1, 2, and 3, this was Moses to a T. Now, the, inter thing, the interesting thing I find out about this guy named Moses is he never got to go into the promised land. Remember God said, I'm, I'm giving you a promised land. And he sent the spies in to look at it, and they came back and said, can't do it. Ten said, no way. Two said, way. 
And so what happened to them is for 40 years they wandered around in the wilderness, but he never went into the promised land. Now, I want you to go to the end of his life, and I want you to see something about this guy. This is Deuteronomy chapter 34. This is one of the most powerful passages about Moses, that he continued in the things of God. He stayed with the things of God. He never quit the things of God, even though he didn't go in. Now, watch what it says about him. This is, this is Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Moab was on this side of the Jordan River. So he could look and he could see the promised land, but he never went in. Now, it's interesting right here that when he dies, it calls him the servant of the Lord. While he was alive, every time, if you go back and look, it will reference him as a man of God. He's the man of God. He's the man of God. But the very moment he dies, it references him as the servant of the Lord. I don't know about you ever think about this, but in my job profession... I have job security. We marry them and we bury them. That's supposed to be funny, okay? <laughs> the problem when you bury people, you see obituaries over and over. I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've had this thought. What will your obituary say about you? Now that may freak you out, but I'm going to tell you, Ecclesiastes says there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. One of the greatest things that I think that could be said about any human being, that you don't say it about yourself, but God says, that's a servant of mine. And this is what he said about him. You know what that shows me? This dude never quit serving God. He kept on faithfully living for God. And so it goes on to say here, and he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite of Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. He's 120. He doesn't have contacts. He doesn't have glasses. He's still got a, a spring in his step. Right up to the moment that he died. You know what I said? God preserved him. God blessed him in every area of his life. And it goes on to say, And the children of Israel wept in the plains of Moab 30 days, so the days of weeping and mourning for Mo Moses ended. Now Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. You know what the laying of hands was? He said, Joshua, I'm going to give you everything God's given me. Isn't it interesting that he said he got wisdom? The wisdom of the Lord. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. But since then, there has not risen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. See, when I read these things, I want the experiences that Moses had with God. But do I want to do the things that Moses did to get face to face with God? 
So what I see about this guy, the reason he's in the faith hall of fame is he began to understand the significance of not only hearing God's word, but obeying it. Staying with it day by day. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, before all his servants in all this land, and by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all of Israel. So when I read this about him, you don't think that guy had a journey in his life? This is the guy who not only led the Israelites out. This is the guy who firsthand witnesses all those plagues. He saw the locusts come in. He, he saw the rivers turn to blood. He, he saw those big old bullfrogs in the Pharaoh's castle. He saw the hell destroy their crops and their livestock. This, this is the same Moses who the Lord spoke to him about the, the, the angel of death that came in. He's the one who told the Israelites, mark your home by the blood. This is the same Moses that the Lord said when the Pharaoh and the, the Egyptians were after him, stretch forth your staff and I'll split the sea. Can you imagine getting your grandkids around and say, listen to this one, listen to this one. Say, see if anybody can top this one. Horse and the rider thrown into the sea. The Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and may the God of my salvation be exalted. So I look at this guy who's in the faith hall of fame and I go back and I think, Lord, grace us. Grace us to believe you like he did. Grace us to stand like he did. Grace me to live that way. And so I go back to what we started with. Man, I gotta get the word of God in me. And I got to stay with it day by day by day. And the more I get in the word, the more I begin to be like God. And God gets on the inside of me and things begin to change. Things begin to happen. And the thing is with every one of us in this room, it's not too late. It's not too late for you to say, okay, Lord, begin to do a work within me. Stir within me today. Why don't you stand up here? Well, I don't know if it helped you. This stuff helps me just to realize. You know, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed right now, if you feel comfortable, raise your hands to heaven here. You know, there's a song that, and I'm not going to sing it, I'm just going to say the lyrics. But it says, Lord, draw me a little closer. Pull me a little deeper. I, I want to stay a little longer. And I believe those are those face-to-face -face encounters. And so, Lord, right now, with hands lifted to you, Lord, that, that becomes our prayer. Lord, pull us deeper than we've ever been before with you. Draw me closer. And Lord, slow us down enough in this thing called life that we stay a little longer in your presence. And Father God, we pray right now for every one of us 
that you would grace us to walk by faith and not by sight. That you said the just shall live by faith. That we are called to fight the good fight of faith. And so, Lord, we pray that tonight in each one of our hearts. That, Lord, we fall in love with you more than we ever have in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.